0: All right, so Will's breathing <sighs> like a pug,
1: <sighs>
0: and we haven't said a word to each other, and now we're on the podcast. Yeah, you're on the podcast now. Run. Everything's okay, okay, buddy. Did somebody have a rough day? <sighs> somebody had a long
1: day. Somebody Someone had a really have long day. some trouble. <sighs> Somebody's been, you know. today it even it gets even worse and you're like i can i can't do it anymore like I, I don't even know so you know you just spend the day reeling and then you know you're typing an email and you're like jesus fucking christ it's 7:45 we have to leave now
0: wow yeah well thank you for that uh, wonderfully articulate and cogent explanation it sure
1: wasn't <laughs> um that's okay ju- i don't think you say, can talk about it anyways probably um,
0: You were just spacing out after work and realized, oh no.
1: Well, so, you know. I should be
0: home. You
1: had car trouble last episode.
0: Oh no, you have car trouble again?
1: I go, I get in my car on Sunday Uh after not driving it for a couple days. Because I'm like, ooh, Papa needs groceries. Going to go get a tree. Going to do a two for one. Going to get it all done.
0: I did notice that uh, you're well stocked over here didn't notice a tree, but anyway, continue. What do you mean well-stocked? You're well-stocked with groceries. Oh, so yes, I'm well-fed. Yes, yes, yeah. yes.
1: Well, I had a... Mm, mm, we'll get there. Um, I get in my car, and I turn it on, and then I'm like, Ooh, it smells like gasoline up in this bitch. Oh, no. And I was like... I was started driving down Lexington, and I was like, Okay, I'm like maybe something happened. Somebody spilled it outside. I don't know. Like, maybe someone was siphoning gas off of Corolla. I don't know, and spilled mm. it all over. And I was like... Oh i'm congested but i can still smell a lot of gas oh no so i go park my car again and then i'm like okay and then this morning i go to move my car and i was like okay not as strong but then as i i like circled the block to like park it again i was like no no i, sm- I still am getting whiffs so i took it to julio on the homework. Huh. work
0: but you didn't notice anything leaking out of the car. You couldn't see you can't
1: it. can't tell. I mean, it's rained yesterday. That's so true. Really it did rain see. yesterday. There
0: was no like, slick on the ground? Or no.
1: And the gas gauge wasn't... like I still mm-hmm. had three quarters of a tank of gas, so I was like, well... Yeah, probably got a leak on a fuel line somewhere. I'm thinking a rat got in there and just did some chomp-chops. I was
0: actually going to say that as a joke, but I let you continue with your story. Yeah. I wonder if the rats did get in there. Although, they usually like the engine compartment. I don't think they would chew on... Uh, the gas lines yeah I don't know I mean it's probably just rust you probably got like a pinhole leak somewhere and it, yeah. it's maybe it's on the top of the pipe so it's kind of getting into the interior of the car yeah. but that's bad news you have yeah. no diagnostic yet it's just sitting at Julio right now
1: yeah he didn't call me today so I'm like well that's nice you don't have to park it yeah it was ba- well because I was like I could just leave for a day and then take it tomorrow but I'm like let's just not keep kicking the can down the road let's I think just it's get best done.
0: when it when it goes to the mechanic unless you need the car for some reason don't press the issue you know, it's taking up space on their lot. Yeah. If they didn't me. like it there, they would let you know. Right. Otherwise, you don't have to park it. That's kind of nice.
1: And I was like, "There's no rush. Get to it when you get to it." Oh boy! Know. I mean,
0: I know we've been having a lot of car talk <sighs> lately. I talked about it for the majority of the last episode, but h- I mean, how many times are you going to do this, man? We've talked about good money after bad with I, Corolla I specifically like, like two times in the last. Best couple
1: case months. scenario, like he finds nothing and it's just like it's a fluke, or it's like a, a valve and he's got to fix a valve. Well,
0: yeah, hope you. But
1: it better not be a thousand dollars because I will lose my shit.
0: Uh, it's probably not. I mean, unless there's a problem with your gas tank, in which case, yeah, that's gonna be An a sh- EV, that's AP, gonna yeah, be a shit like, ton of and money, and pushes. you might not pass inspection even if they can fix it, which is your major problem. But hey, that's Ohio. And
1: that's it's another year. That's I did that this year, so I don't have to do it. next oh, year. Oh, that's great! So, yeah, it's know. not as
0: stringent out there either because they have those self-check stations. Never used one, and you can. Uh, you can get around it, probably.
1: I keep the people at each employed. It doesn't check your emissions
0: unless the car tells it that there's an emissions problem. Right. So maybe, you know, hey, maybe it's no big deal. I, I You're well, probably right. I'm
1: wondering it's, if it's nothing because if he's, like, maybe running tests all day and can't find it, but it's just a weird, like, one-off, like, he'll just be like, give me 200 bucks. Hmm.
0: Either that or you didn't get to it, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I feel bad for you. That's not a great great way to set the tone for the week. Nobody likes that.
1: Well, yeah, I was like, I was like, "Ooh, this is my like buying gifts check." Yeah, great. Oh, and now I'm like, cool. Everybody's gonna have to pause well, on gifts. That's
0: fine. Not a big deal.
1: <sighs> I already bought some gifts already. So don't worry
0: about you know don't worry about that too much. I was just looking at my bank account today. Gift buying season it hits harder than you think. Well, you know now that I now that I'm a now that I'm a businessman. Uh-huh. I buy everything on my credit card, and I just pay the balance off at the end of the month uh-huh. and mostly that works to my advantage, you know yeah. i'm racking up those sweet sweet points points et cetera but uh at Christmas time it's kind of been a disadvantage because I'm not watching my spending so uh. everybody got probably more expensive gifts than they deserve, honestly, wow, but that's fine, you yeah. know, hey, Ron sent me a giant package of Omaha steaks,
1: oh shit, remember
0: that he no, did yeah. that that one time, yeah, he sent Re and I that, but we have teeny tiny. You know, playset fridge. Yeah, for whatever reason, and it is the funniest picture I've ever taken of Omaha steaks. It's everything in my freezer, Jesus Christ, except for the ice bucket and a couple of trays. It's now Omaha steak stuff. I mean, we had a caramel apple tart last night. Those are so fucking. Those are pretty damn good.
1: Oh, those are so good.
0: But it's funny because you know we're we're both really looking (sighs) forward to it. But you know, the holidays are a tough time eating wise. Oh, and you know, I've been using Chat GPT to create healthy menus for us, oh, but right. that's another yeah. topic. Yeah. So, you know, right on the heels of like, we got to cool it a little bit. You know, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna eat healthy and then go into Christmas and pig out, and then the New Year is a new year. Uh huh. Now we have like four hundred dollars worth of red meat.
1: Right, to right, right, to right, eat.
0: right. But you know.
1: I mean, I can take any red meat off of your hands if you're worried oh, about oh, cooking. It. Oh, oh, well,
0: you know, you know, you know what? I feel bad because Ron listens to this. Ron, I am eternally grateful. I meant what I said. I thanked him last night. Okay. Um, but to save us a little freezer space, I might offload. Like, you want some burgers? No, never. Well, you're not getting the steak. Okay. Well, that's off the table. You may maybe pork chops, although I like those. Oh, well, mm. you know. The thing I- the thing is, there's 12 burgers. Let's be so, like, honest I'll take, here. like, two burgers. There's four of everything else, and then there's 12 burgers. If you want I a box take, of burgers, I'll give them I to you. I could
1: take some burgers. Yeah,
0: I can give you some burgers. I'm not trying to offload all the burgers. No. I want the burgers, too.
1: No, we've been trying to have burger night. There you go.
0: You know. It's just that 12 burgers, I mean, even between two people, that's at least that's sh- six meals. Yeah. You know, and then when there's four of everything else, I was, like, trying to do this math last night. I was like okay there's like 40 meals in here yeah 40 dinners right you're yeah. not like eating that for lunch or breakfast right you could maybe but i'm like that's gonna last a incredibly long like time. a brekkie burger well, that's what I, you know. My feeling with the burgers was, hey, you know, it's nice to have a burger on a bun, classic style. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's ground beef, right? What
1: about like a Salisbury steak moment? You could do that. Like,
0: you know, that's what I'm saying. You could make some kind of other dish with this. Right. You can even make taco. You can make it. Yeah, you, you can make it, it into ground yeah. beef. Yeah. So, you know, it's got its uses, but nonetheless, it's gonna it's, working it's so through much it Yeah. Is a lot. Is gonna take yeah. some time, and we, and space is at a premium. So, if you right. have any interest in any meats. No. We can talk. I'll, I can bring you a little surprise gift, a uh, little stocking stuffer of frozen of meat. meat. <laughs> yes, and then I always get really excited because the <sighs> Omaha steak thing comes with a gift card that says hundred and fifty dollar wine voucher. Oh yeah, and I'm like, awesome, a hundred and fifty dollars no. worth of free wine, but you have to spend like four hundred dollars and you get one of shitty off. wine. Yeah, you know, I don't have a problem with that though. Okay, well. I you know, hey, if the wine's going to be that much money off. Why not?
1: Uh, but
0: then it's sort of like restaurant prices. Like you're getting upcharged.
1: Yeah, it's a markup. It's like a $60 bottle, and you're like, this is 22 yeah, tops. Yeah, yeah,
0: no, they're still making money on yeah. you. Yeah, no.
1: <sighs> so,
0: yeah, I had yeah. the giant cooler at my door when I came home from work last night.
1: Oh, the look, we found an organ for you kind of cooler.
0: Well, I knew what, you know what? Yes, but I knew what it was instantly. Oh, right. There's yeah. no mistaking the Omaha Steaks cooler. No. If you've ever gotten one, you know what's up.
1: Uh, there used to be a different company called. Swe- not Swanson's, Not Swenson's. Ooh, if Swenson's did, like, no, frozen burgers, like used White to be Castle
0: a, style, I'd be into
1: that. It would be, like, different kind of frozen dessert things and, like, fun treats. And I would get, like, or, like, a pre-made, like, rice dish, like a fried rice thing. Oh, that's not bad. And I, I used to get those every now and then.
0: Well, I mean, tech bros still do this. Yeah, we but call now it like we call it Hello Fresh, Fresh whatever, and you yeah. get a, a pre-packaged single farm egg. Yeah. You know, people do that now. Here's the thing about the Omaha Steaks that I got to be totally honest about. It makes sense to do a frozen food uh, program yeah. in mass order, but I have to be honest. I think that their like side dishes are the best thing. Yeah, the steaks are good too. Because yeah. frozen, ste- frozen, frozen steak, it's frozen steak is not, a little rough. It's a, it's a, it's not as good as fresh, of course. Yeah, but it's not as affected by being deep frozen as like a chicken breast really? or a burger. And I know a lot of people eat frozen chicken breasts and frozen burgers all the time. Yeah. But because they're so cheap, I I don't do that. Yeah. And then when I have a frozen moment, I go, "Oh, that's not as good.
1: It's got a tooth."
0: Yes. So my point is that the side dishes are the best: caramel yep. apple tart, scalloped potatoes. Oh, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, those hit hard. If if Omaha Steaks did like a package where they I just sent they do you just send steaks sides. and sides, I'd be into that. I think they do just have a sides box. They probably do have that, but that's not like the nicest gift. That makes you look cheap, to be totally honest.
1: As a sides per as a side and a side per- sides person, you know, I'm here for it. You know, yeah, why not? Like. What's the greatest dish on Thanksgiving?
0: All the sides, for sure. Yeah, fuck
1: fuck that turkey. You know... Who wants your dry-ass turkey? mm, Yeah, that's true. I
0: don't know. The thing is, the turkey provides a lot of context. You know what I mean? You know, turkey's kind of the, the, the mayor of the Thanksgiving table, as opposed to the dictator.
1: Mashed potatoes are.
0: The turkey's not calling any shots. He's just a figurehead. He's just, like, priming the pump for all the other stuff. No, come on.
1: Mashed potato is the hey, let's all hold hands. Gonna, it's got the gravy oh, as its VP.
0: I'm gonna say something controversial. What? Mashed potatoes aren't that good. Mashed potatoes need a lot of context to be good. People love them. Um, but yeah, they need to be surrounded by other things like cranberry sauce, creamed spinach, perhaps some turkey. Uh I'm not trying to have mashed Who potatoes just like on their own. I mean, listen, I can I can just eat butter. I mean, if you want to just eat butter... Yeah, but have some carbs with it. You can it. eat butter. The, nobody's stopping you. You're a grown-up now. You go to Trader Joe's all on your own. You want to you take one of those sticks, let it warm up on the counter, and take a bite out
1: of it? Go ahead. But that's all mashed potatoes are. Nobody, nobody likes potatoes. Uh, nobody likes potatoes. I mean... Have you watched my 600-pound life of I, ha- I can only eat cheesy potatoes? People ooh. love potatoes. What fuck's wrong with
0: you? People like fried oil... They like butter. The French are going to murder you. They don't like potatoes. Potatoes are just a neutral vehicle. You know, in the same sense that people take those little packets of... Do pr- you want to tell that to the Irish? And put them in water?
1: You want to fight the Irish on this potatoes
0: one? Potatoes are the water in this analogy. I do kind of want to fight the Irish. I mean, bring it on. You know what I mean? So...
1: Gwen, you got my back? I'm going to... I would say we would slash his tires, but he doesn't have a car. Oh,
0: wow, hit him where it hurts. Ooh, we love. You're a about to, to not. So d- listen, you know.
1: I did my do. He who
0: throws the first stone and all of that stuff.
1: Oh, now you know about Jesus. Okay. <laughs>
0: um, oh, I know a ton about Jesus, baby. I've been I've been fucking researching Jesus, Stations of the Cross. What do you know about Stations of the Cross? Everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where do you want to go with that one? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm like, how many times did I sit through it? And you're like, oh, God, this takes so long. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, God bless you. Yeah, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, you never had to sit through it on Good Friday because you didn't get Good Friday off. You had to go to school and do Stations of the Cross, and it went for three hours.
0: Mm. Well, was that it, though? Did you get to go home? Was it like a half day? No. Did you guys get a ceremony 2 p. M. on a half day? No. Wow. Well,
1: Hmm. some horse shit is what that
0: was um oh man i got some shit going on at work i thought hey we're sliding into the end of the year things will be kind of easy i just got to get through the next couple of weeks no big deal but people are back from art basel and they're trying to move they're trying to move Move material Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a pain in my fucking ass but hey guess what fuck you guys this is my last five day week of the year this week (sighs) next week i'm off two of the days so i don't give a fuck yeah i took monday off going to bathhouse in Williamsburg, um, hey, I got days I got to burn, baby. I mean, th- not everything rolls over. So oh. going to bathhouse with Rhi, uh-huh. that's going to be a lot of fun. She's been there before. I've never been there before.
1: Yeah, it's fueled by cryptocurrency warming the coils or some bullshit. Is that is that true? Yes. They
0: crypto mine to, like, warm their saunas yeah, and stuff? Yeah, some horse I hate. Hell that. yeah, I love that. It's going to pump my Bitcoin up while I'm there. <sighs> this is how you generate wealth, man. You go to spas that are making you money while you're there. On a gift card that your work bought you. It's kind of great. So, no, it's all free.
1: Oh, okay. It's all
0: free. I'm really excited about the cold plunge. You know, I've done all manner of saunas in my life. But what I have not done is hit a sauna and then hit a cold plunge. And (sighs) I feel like I'm going to be scared. Like I'm going to puss out about it.
1: There's a whole shop on Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn. Where it's infrared sauna and a cold plunge. That's the whole shop.
0: Well, I mean, a lot of people listen to Joe Rogan. It's not a surprise. Okay. You know what I mean? There's it's,
1: a lot of bros building those like cold plunges on their decks. Okay.
0: Yeah, you listen to Huberman Lab and then you listen to Andrew Huberman on Lex Friedman, and then you listen to Lex Friedman on Joe Rogan, boom, cold plunge, ten grand, not a big deal. You just sell off point one three five of your crypto. And now you're healthy. I mean, seriously, this is how the world works now. We've talked about it many times. I know. I everything's, everything's just a series of <laughs> multi-level marketing schemes I mean, and celebrity turtles all the way down. Ugh. But anyway, yeah, I'm going to hit the cold plunge, though. Yeah, I'm scared it. of it, but I'm going to do it. Why? It's going to feel great. Going from extreme hot to extreme cold seems like it will be painful.
1: Yeah, your balls might hurt.
0: But it'll have uh, benefits. Yeah. Hopefully. According to everybody.
1: It does. It's and then gonna do gonna, some wild shit to your heart.
0: Probably, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm gonna get some cold borscht.
1: They don't have that there, do they? Yes, they do.
0: Oh. Uh, some is wine. It,
1: what is it? Run by Russians now?
0: I think. Well, well, you know, I don't think it is. I think it's run by crypto bros, obviously, yeah. but they're just trying to copy the concept. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean. I mean, if it's you a really, semi-locker. if
1: you really want to go have a you know root and toot and holler old time, you got to go to the you know the East Village ones. But that's so broy in a way that I think is disgusting. Like, they're gross. They're a little run down. Uh, well, they're they run down. They're full of... You, like, of... smoke cigs on the roof after... Exactly. That's, that's stirring. I don't hate
0: that. But, the, mm. you know, but it is full of, like, Bay Ridge mobsters, um, hossids.
1: No, tech bros on a Tuesday who work from home or, like, you know, VC assholes who are like, yeah, I just ha- I've been ripped since forever since I, you know, was rowing in Connecticut. Well,
0: I feel like these types have adopted it because it was once authentic all i've ever heard about it was that it w- a- at least at one time was like a working class masculine it was yeah.
1: yeah i mean it's the same way that you can't go to Bemelmans anymore because gen z has taken it over it's one of these like old things that the youth have taken over and fucked yeah like going to uh Finnelli's. Mm-hmm. i'm like that used oh. to be for old people well you used to be
0: no you used to go when you were a young person and you had the riz and now you don't anymore, and you're jealous of them.
1: No, because I would go to hang out with the old people, and it was great. <laughs> It'd be dead, and I could just sit at the bar, crush three beers, and then go home.
0: No, you're right, but those old people hated that, because look what you brought to their, to their shores. You know, you let one in, and then the next thing you know...
1: No, the outdoor dining did. The outdoor dining brought the other That really on.
0: ruined it. Yeah, well, anyways... It. Um, so yeah i'm doing bathhouse on monday that's kay. just that 's just one for fun uh-huh. and then, of course, I have to fly to Cleveland now, so hence the other day oh, got it. My week is bracketed by that, but you know that that makes my investment in all the ongoing projects eternally low hmm. I'm like, oh, cool, yes, I'm in charge of scheduling this, sure, why not i won't be here. Who cares mm, yeah, so a lot of things are going on the calendar that i 'll only partially have to deal with, and that's a good feeling to be totally honest i always like foisting upon the slugs that i work with uh, terrible additional work
1: the worst man i'm not
0: a manager that's the thing i'm not huh? a manager mm. it's also my manager's problem uh. because my boss is on vacation but my manager's still there good luck buddy oh well he's fucked <laughs> um <laughs>
1: yeah <sighs> i yeah i don't know i i'm looking at the end of the year with this different kind of barrel of gun where i just go is it over yet? Like, you know, this is every, you know, this is every year. Like normally I'm just, you've seen me for years. Normally I'm just tired at this point. Yeah. I'm not exhausted. I'm not physically exhausted because we don't do that kind of like, it's not psychotic. I don't live in a psychotic, you know, working world. It's a different kind, but you know, I'm not just like coming in and going like, Oh, physically tired. I realized today I can't like hard work myself out of a lot of problems. I have to use my brain now. And I'm like, fuck. Hmm. Yeah, it's an after show problem. But, um, you know, it's uh, it's feels better.
0: In a way. Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: No, I know what you mean. I mean, I've gotten a little hand. I've gotten a little hands off.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I'm not quite I'm not quite at your level, but I am more responsible for strategy and less responsible for like implementing things on the ground. Um, And it, that's true. I don't feel physically exhausted as much as I used to, but at the same time. I, I do treasure my brain time. Yeah, and I, don't, it is, I don't
1: like using my brain for work. Things. It I'm is like,
0: kind of a shame to, like, use it all up on
1: something you could
0: really care less about.
1: Well. Well, you know, not, not to say I that I could automate a couple of things if I really... Not to it. say
0: that it's useless either. Like, I, I get a lot of pride and satisfaction ab- about making the right calls and being good at these things. And yeah. being listened to and stuff. You know? Yeah. It's all very ego-feeding. But... Mm. On the other hand, I used to be able to go to my studio after work, and I'm like, yeah, no. And it's not for physical reasons. It's not for winter reasons. It's just like I actually need to just fuck off sometimes. Well, yeah. And that's different when you're when you're just a foot soldier. Yeah. And you're just hoofing it all day. You're like, yeah, I'm physically tired, but it would be nice to think, <laughs> you know, yeah, in a way that wasn't restricted to what's in right in front of me. Right. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, that's not very attractive actually to do to do anymore
1: Mm. or it's just more it's just more difficult
0: Uh, it's not very attractive to uh to want i don't want to think by the end of the day i've i've bounced a lot of ideas off a lot of different personalities yeah and uh we've had to do a lot of negotiation and i've had to do a lot of future thinking yeah rather than present tense thinking Mm. so uh i'm kind of like yeah the idea of doing that for fun studio practice. Yeah. Not into it right now.
1: Yeah. I mean I do a lot of future thinking and then just get undercut at the end of the day and I go, What the fuck then why did I waste my time? Uh, I mean,
0: all right. Well, this is an after show topic. Yeah. This is an after ooh, show topic because I do ooh, have a lot to say about this. I am I'm getting undercut a lot, and I'm and I'm trying to learn how to navigate these waters because I feel like that is how you uh I think I'm being, that is how you advance is learning this. That's called politics. I think that's what it is. Well,
1: my thing is I'm learning that we're learning what the boundary is before I start yelling at people, because that might have to be res- that might be how I get. Respect. Okay, that is
0: a way worse reaction.
1: Well, anyway, if you're yelling up, not yelling down. I don't yell down. That's not what I do. I never yell down. I yell up. Well,
0: you used to yell down too, and now you're yelling up.
1: I never yelled down. You're a BPD work hoe. I <laughs> <laughs> I never yelled down. I I gave marching orders like a good dictator. Well, you know okay All but right. you know hopefully the trains smaller, are running on time over smaller there smaller kingdom um anyway yeah, uh anyway.
0: hey guess what what i saw some art over the weekend
1: oh yeah can i tell you one thing before we get into art talk because sure. i went to the the fr- frick-a- frickal i did yeah yeah um i saw uh, christmas vacation for the first time oh in a theater
0: really it was just like a gay thing
1: no, Nighthawk does it as a brunch for oh, families. Oh, that's nice. Okay, cool. Wow. Okay. I mean, no, I just
0: thought it might be like an ironic. I, I wasn't being. I wasn't joking. I, I thought it might okay. be like an ironic, like you know, like w- what's that? What's that movie with the drag queens called? Not Priscilla? Mystery Science Theater. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, tu Wong Fu, Priscilla, no, Queen no, of the Desert. No, no, no. Uh, uh, I'm gonna have fuck. to help. It's a no, Christmas it's older. Movie? It's not a Christmas movie. I'm really blanking on it right now. Our listeners are going nuts because I know they know it. a uh, Brocky Horror Picture Show. I thought maybe Christmas Vacation had been turned into like a like a some sort of event for the fellas. No. With a capital P.
1: No, I went to two gay bars P. to wash out capital the F. you know, the the whole thing. But no, so
0: you saw it in a theater, Christmas Vacation. That's Yeah, Adam Adam
1: loves Christmas movies. That's a fun movie too. And you know, he's like, Okay, I'm taking my my niece. And going with my sister-in-law. And That's really sweet. Do you want to come? He's like, if I buy tickets, will you go? And he's like, oh, by the way. And I'm like, okay, fine, sure. Because um, I was like, I've never seen this. So me and the 10-year-old are on the same page of, I've never seen Can this Can you before. stop
0: for a second? Have you yeah. seen
1: any of the Vacation franchise? No, thank you. No.
0: Oh, so Christmas Vacation is don't like is Chevy
1: Chase. F- we were not a Chevy Chase family.
0: I, I, I think Chevy Chase was a little bit before our time, to be totally honest. I think... Like my
1: parents watch it and... Or no, they watch it and they're like, we're not... We don't want to.
0: Well, I think our parents were right in the pocket where they were a little too old for Chevy Chase. That was on the verge of a Gen X sensibility that they didn't have. There's sort of like a wry quality to his humor that I don't think came across to them.
1: You know, yeah, like boomers are more like we get like stony funny, but we don't do cocaine. Yes. And this movie, I was like, so how much of this was written on a cocaine matter? I was like, a lot. Just wait. And that's a like, great oh, way to say it. Oh, okay. So, our parents didn't get Chevy.
0: And then by the time we were, you know, cogent enough to start absorbing comedy, it was like Will Ferrell, SNL. Like, yeah, the era yeah. of it had just gone away. If yeah. if you were cognizant in the 80s, yeah. you liked Chevy Chase. Yes, yes, yes. But we missed it. Yeah. And so did our parents. So, Correct. anyways, yeah. yeah. So, you never saw any vacation movies. No. Okay. Fair enough.
1: So, I thought it was gross. You it, thought it, was re- it relies gross. on a lot of gross humor shitter's full yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah 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 listen i've only seen christmas vacation one time
1: i think that's enough
0: um i do think it's enough yeah my interesting tidbit about this is re um brings up christmas vacation every once in a while especially around the holidays because it was a family tradition in her house to watch christmas vacation Oof. so she has seen christmas vacation Three dozen times That's minimum. Gross. And so she hates the movie now. Good. She understands that the movie has its like cultural position and value for people. But she's like, I can't stand to even look at it ever again.
1: Like, I would rather watch like Home Alone, which I also think is gross.
0: Guess what? I, I also, also had find a vis- it absolutely disgusting. We had a visitor in town over the weekend, uh-huh. and I'm a big Home Alone 2 head. Right, correct. Yes, I've same. seen Home yeah. Alone 1 maybe less Never, than 5 yeah. times. Uh-huh. But I've seen Home Alone 2 like 500 times.
1: Yeah, the dirty broad with the pigeons.
0: So we had a we had a friend in from out of town who who had also seen Home Alone 2 but like 30 years ago. And then Ree who I don't think had ever seen it or hadn't I saw seen it in it. theaters. I think
1: I was taken to wow. see it like as a family outing
0: since she was little. So we watched Home Alone 2 Lost in New York and I have to say great movie. They don't make them like they used to. It's gross though. Pigeon we'll get, bitch? Hang on. We'll get to that. The, pigeons, the pigeon bitch is not the worst part of it. Pigeon a- bitch. This is horrible. Dude, because but she's also- such a sweet character in the movie, mm-hmm. goddammit. I had teared up a little bit with the p- pigeon
1: bitch. That's because you're a sensey boy. Um, but but also, a- like the, the thieves get gross, and like a lot of gross stuff happens to them. And they well, look yeah, greasy. they go from the
0: wet bandits to the sticky bandits. Disgusting. That's kind of a runner in the Ugh. movie.
1: But here's the thing. You would...
0: Let's I mean, Christmas vacation this also applies to. But they don't make movies like they used to where it's like, hey, we have a premise for a movie. Instead of doing forty five minutes of build up to now the movie starts, because that's how all contemporary movies work. Yeah. This is why they're all three hours long. Is we have to have three full acts that are an hour long. Yeah. Home alone two impressed me because Just. it was like we have a premise five minutes leave that motherfucker in the hotel macaulay culkin is in new york we're off and running you know the movie's like 89 minutes long yeah it's just moving moving we need
1: cash from this movie let's keep it fucking pumping every
0: line of dialogue is like relevant and thrusts the story forward there's jokes in there it's just like the writing in it is actually kind of amazing huh um Who's the guy that did Sixteen Candles, the famous producer, director? It's a John Hughes movie. I didn't realize that. I don't think I ever knew that until this time watching it. Mm. All the Home Alone movies are John Hughes productions. That sounds right. Which, high quality product. But so anyway, when it comes to the grossness, Home Alone 2,
1: the cartoonish violence against the criminals, I mean- it's a it's a Is that the one where they step through nails or the first one step through nails? That's the first
0: one, but that's the only instance in the first one where it gets to that level. Yeah. Like I feel like it builds up to, yeah. to the nail. Maybe or maybe that's the first thing that happens. Mm. Either way, it's kind of like a one off. Yeah. But I felt like the in Home Alone Two they needed to one up themselves. So the level of violence is is psychotic. Like it's really uncomfortable to watch. The first like Prank or like Rube Goldberg machine yeah. trick is simply Macaulay Culkin on the roof of a brownstone throwing bricks at the <laughs> antagonists, and he well, hits the same guy in the face like five times in a row. That's great aim. And the bit is just that he's throwing it at Joe Pesci, but Joe Pesci keeps stepping out of the way, and it keeps hitting Merv. I don't know the
1: actor. Oh, the tall man. guy. Yeah,
0: yeah, but the first one would have killed him, right? Yeah. And then he gets hit, like, five times, and then the, the violence only increases from there. Right, I think, And I, yeah. watching, like, grown men in situations where, like, it feels... Jackass, though. No, I know, but, like, this movie came out not only, like, 12 years before Jackass. Mm-hmm. The whole premise of it was that it's a children's movie. It feels more like watching... BME pain Olympics. Well, they are also trying to murder a child. I mean, you know, it it has the same feeling as watching like a video of a drone in Ukraine, like kill someone. Yeah, it's it seriously feels like that. You're like,
1: I think you're stretching it. I don't.
0: I don't. The visceral feeling of this is incredibly uncomfortable. And then there's gross qualities of it too, because you know he's getting paint poured on him. They're they're covered in like tar and then the pigeon bitch get, yeah, doesn't it throws, get tarred
1: and feathered basically? Throws
0: bird feed all over them and they get attacked by pigeons. Ooh. And it's a really funny scene in a not in the way they intended. Yeah. Because there's so much violence leading up to that and then the worst thing that ever happens to them that gets them caught by the cops is like getting attacked by pigeons. Well You're like, guys, you got a staple gun to the dick. Yeah. The pigeons wouldn't be a big deal to you. At this point, yet that's what subdues them and finally gets them arrested. But, uh, you know, at at the center of the movie, there's a real gravity and a real heart of uh, Mr. Duncan at the toy store and the pigeon bitch and Macaulay Culkin all getting along. There's a love triangle there between, you know, two middle aged to elderly people and a small child. I got weird. Ep- I, I got re- weird Epstein vibes from I the Toy store. I don't
1: love the uh, love triangle phrase there, but okay, sure, yeah.
0: I mean, essentially, that's what it is. I mean, hey, you know, Pizza Gate's back. Well, cheese pizza, three thousand dollars on Etsy. What's that about?
1: Well, speaking of ill-gotten, you know, monetary gain, uh, you went to the frick. <laughs>
0: We're only thirty-two minutes into this episode. I told myself I wasn't going to drink too much. This was a lot. Um, Anyway,
1: oops. Well, I got very turned on Saturday. Um,
0: If you want to talk about art stuff, fine. Uh, I did. I went to the Frick, but I wasn't really going to talk about the Frick much because I've been there a bunch. You know, I've been. I've seen. I've seen the Frick. We have very little
1: time left. Before it turns into a Christie's or a Sotheby's or whoever bought it. No, it's
0: true. I mean, there was a melancholy aspect to going. I think it's in February that they're done. Fuck right? me! It's God. very soon. Oh, sooner than you. Go. Sooner God than you'd like. On on the other hand, on the bright side, yeah, they're gonna return the Frick collection back to the newly renovated Frick. Yes. So that'll be exciting to well, see.
1: The Frick, which they, th- the Frick applied for, a liquor license for seventeen bars. What. So like for events oh, when no. they turn it on, yeah. they want seven. They want the ability to have seventeen liquor bars, and the upper east side is like, the fuck. You cannot use the Frick Collection as a party space. So no. I'm a little worried that it's just beca- going to become like you know, the new museum. Yeah, all the LED you
0: know. lights under the bar are powered by mining crypto. I mean, this Ugh. is where we're headed. Yeah. yeah, that sucks. I didn't know that. I'm like, ooh, I don't love it. Well, even if that is the case, I'll still be excited to see what they did with the place. You know? If we
1: can go to the you know, usually not ba- available to walk through areas, I'm like, all right, sick. Mm. Let me go walk some quarters. Come on. Anyway. Well, look, that deflates it. But hey, at least there's something to look forward to. Also, did you see the Frick hat? No. Oh, it's sick.
0: There should be a hat that is F R Asterix C K. I think that is a very funny idea.
1: Make it, and I don't know why we no one merch.
0: did that. Yeah, that's that's great. Um. So anyway, yeah. I it did occur to me going to the Frick Madison that oh, there's something kind of melancholy about this. That like this is probably the last time I'll ever go into the Breuer building. Uh, it has less to do with the Frick Collection, per se, and more to just do with this iconic piece of architecture that I've had the privilege of visiting a
1: over the last times, decade yeah. and a
0: half many times. Like, I'll probably never go in there again. And if I do, I won't get past the lobby or I'll be in a loading dock. Yeah. It's very depressing that it's going to be a private institution now.
1: I guess that when they, before they have auctions, you'll be able to like go in, but I'm like... Eh.
0: No, I mean, they always have, like, a public showroom. Yeah. And, and But that'll just be that first floor. You know where that tiny gallery is that's over by the elevators? No,
1: they'll they'll do some shit upstairs, I'm sure. Maybe.
0: I, b- but at but the end like of that, the day... that
1: taints it. Like, I don't want to do that. At the end of the you day, know? they're
0: turning it into an office building, which...
1: Eh, Welcome know. to New York. It's been waiting for you. Yeah. Oh, Good for them. But, uh... Yeah, no
0: that that element of it d- did make me kind of kind of sad. Ugh. I thought about it like rounding the that's corner, favorite building to see onto art. Madison Avenue. Ugh. I was like, oh yeah, oh no, that's unfortunate. Ugh. And it's a great building to see art. It really is. It
1: is. Nothing is better. Ugh.
0: It's too bad that museums have got it in their head that they just need to put asses in seats. Because I can see where they're coming from. That building's a little limited by contem- which is great by contemporary standards. But yeah, it does make you focus as a viewer It's the
1: right height of ceiling too
0: and when it comes to curation and just you know collection organization yeah maybe it's a good thing to like focus on things that are culturally valuable but (sighs) we've kind of lost the thread on that so the frick collection you know I i will say this about i will say this about my experience with it this time um the fragonards yeah that i've always loved um I had a real moment with that series where I spent a long time looking at the four finished ones. Because the Seasons?
1: uh, No, the Seasons are they're not
0: exactly Seasons. I don't even remember the title of them right now. No, the
1: Seasons are Boucher's. I'm so sorry.
0: Yes, the Seasons are Boucher's. A lot of the collection was down in favor of, quote, special exhibitions that are just like... Oh,
1: where they hang the faggy paintings? We took
0: good paintings down, and we put up identity politics. And you're like, miss me with that. Please.
1: Do they still have that chalk drawing by like Nicholas Party posters, or whatever? Yes. Oh fuck off!
0: Very unfortunate. Um, but so I'm looking at the Fragonards because they have those two rooms of them. Yeah. That normally are in one room because it yeah. was that commission for the Frick
1: dining room, the room where they, they usually hang. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like it a, is a season. It is another seasons. What
0: it's around. not seasons. No. What it is is like stages of courtship. It's mm. um
1: seasons of love.
0: Yeah, it's a young couple like courting each yeah. other, and when it's installed in one room, it's a mix of unfinished paintings yeah, that yeah. are basically under paintings and then finished paintings. Yeah. but when you see it in the Frick Madison, I really like it because they just made one room for the finished stuff and one room for the unfinished stuff, oh. and it's kind of hung like, um, not only to make that clear but just.
1: Have they moved, like out of order a little bit? Have they moved them since the last time I was there? No, no, no.
0: They're in the same spot. Oh, I don't. Think they, they, I don't think they would ever take those down. They're in a glorious room that has a window, which yeah. is rare. And the
1: lighting on, in that room is delicious. Oh, the colors are pop in a way that they don't usually. But well, it's a cool
0: opportunity to focus on the paintings not as decorative accoutrement, yeah, but as like artworks yeah. in their own right, which yeah. they were never designed to be. But it's interesting well, to see them that way, and that's the whole advantage of this presentation. Yeah. But, um, I you know, I was I was thinking about because one time I wrote or I gave a presentation on a Fragonard drawing in John Yao's class. I remember yeah. w- when I was in grad school and it was like these landscape drawings that were mostly about trees. And I was trying to analogize them formally to like Jackson Pollock paintings, you know, very strange, dumb. We would call it reaching kids ideas but yeah. still it, 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 and i remember john Yao just constantly harping on the idea that he was like yeah yeah yeah," but like Fragonard's work is all moralistic it's all about moralizing and and these moral narratives and he I'm, I'm i, I definitely moral, think he meant okay. that meant that in a negative sense but i you know that always stuck with me and i never quite knew what he meant like
1: what are you talking think, about i also don't think that was like precise language on his part to be perfectly fair.
0: Well, I try to give him a little bit more credit that. And I, and I think that, I think that I understand what he's gesturing towards, which is that there was a certain kind of like courtly love idea inherited from a myth about the middle ages (laughs) in, you know, Rococo late 18th century France that was unique to that time. And then was like torn apart. Um, And reconstructed in various ways later. Right. And and he meant that in a negative sense. Like, why are you interested in, like, artwork about morality plays? And so I was thinking about that idea a little bit when I was looking at it this time. And then recently, for completely different reasons, I had read um, part of Ovid's Metamorphosis that was about Apollo and Daphne. Do you know this story?
1: Uh... Uh, hold on. Did Daphne go to hell? No, you might... She wasn't... That's Persephone. gets dragged to hell with the pomegranate.
0: One way in is that there's there's a famous Bernini sculpture, maybe the most famous Bernini sculpture, aside from his... Um,
1: Teresa getting her rocks uh, aside,
0: off. Aside from Teresa getting her rocks off, there's one called Apollo and Daphne. The story is that Apollo gets hit with Cupid's arrow, and he's in pursuit of this nymph Daphne, uh, and she's running from him, and <laughs> she says something along the lines of, like, basically, like, curse this beautiful body that's caused me all this trouble, and she transforms into a tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Bernini yeah. sculpture is really majestic because it's this amazing, like, dynamic snapshot in marble of is a she female body... Tra- no, I mean, uh, she's running away, and Apollo is behind her trying to grab her. Uh, and the okay. idea is yeah. that the moment he is trying to touch her skin, her skin turns to bark, and she turns to a tree. The Bernini sculpture is fucking incredible. Where is it? It sits at the Villa Borghese Uh-oh. in Rome. Um, but So I was reading about that sculpture. They and got was,
1: problems. They ran out of money.
0: And I was reading about that story, and I was thinking, like, it's so advantageous to have some a, a, some education in the classics in a way that not many people do because, you know, back when these Fragonards were made or back when that Bernini was made, everybody knew Ovid. Everybody knew the Bible. Yeah. Everybody knew all this stuff. So it's all deeply embedded in this work. And because Ovid was fresh on my mind, I was like, oh, of course. Like, this is this is a cycle of four paintings about, like, courtly love. And there's many illusions with an A to the Ovid metamorphosis story of Apollo and Daphne. In fact, there's a particular one.
1: The foliage is the most important part of those paintings.
0: Well, in a technical sense, yes, but in many other ways too, like a lot of it's just a theatrical background because after all, it's a decorative piece for like a dining room, but there is one where the young lover is pursuing the young maiden, you know, flash forward to 18th century Versailles in a garden and he is holding out a flower and it's right about to touch her and her friends are pulling her away, like into a bush. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, this is like a not so subtle allusion to Apollo and Daphne. That's exactly what this is.
1: Also dick pics.
0: Yeah. Well also, you know, flower being virginity, all of this stuff. So when I'm bringing up like John Yao and what he said about moralism and how, you know, kind of being snide about that, I was kind of like, well, You know, also it's very rich with reference in a way. There's a lot of moralistic art that's made today that does not have the same, you know, density of composition narratively and technically um, that would make it so interesting. And I think it's kind of great that, like, a certain aggregation of different... um, classic stories and a particular moral philosophy of like an age we have no access to like high court, uh, really decadent stuff, sexuality merged with morality, um, is accessible in these paintings. And maybe it's resonating with me because, you know, there's the Weimar Republic. There's maybe our moment. There's, uh, Louis the 14th, France. There are certain moments of like decadence and morality being conflated that are resonant and interesting. And to look at that and be like, that's kind of like dumb because we're modern. Well, is is like a really, it's a real shame that people look at those things and think that.
1: Well, I also think that it's a full misread of like the contemporary to not think to disregard the absolute decadence that we are looking the face, you know, looking in the face of
0: well and in fairness to john i don't know if that was as clear in 2011 eh, as it is now
1: 2011 was also the time of what's that park downtown
0: occupy and all yeah. that stuff but you know that that was just the
1: that was just the like hint of cracking the lid was just the very the beginning idea of, like of a one percent idea of, of yeah.
0: what's happened now so you know maybe his mentality has shifted but my basic point is just that the Fragonard's resonated with me because they they feel very similar in a way. I could see a a better artist than any that exists currently making a nice cycle of paintings that were that had a relationship with those works that was dense and interesting. You know, and not dumb because there's probably a lot of dumb painters that yeah. make tinder paintings, but that's not what I mean. I mean what is what is that what does that morality represent, you know? I mean... And how do you capture that in a classic format that makes references to things that people would understand for thousands of years? People don't try to do that anymore.
1: What was that movie with over text or whatever, like Zola... Not Zola, but was it Zola? That painting about, like, a, a toot or something? It was just, like, very, like, shot on iPhone.
0: Oh, Tangerine, the movie about, like, the sex workers no, in no, Florida? No, different, no, different one. Oh, okay.
1: No. Um... Though it actually has, like, text, like, bubbles on screen and stuff like that. It's about, like, a stripper. Well, I think a lot of movies do that now. Yeah. Uh, But that's also out of... What's-her-face? Like, Zadie Smith. The Zadie Smithification of, like, personal stories. Well, I
0: think where you find things like like the Fragonard cycle in contemporary culture, are TV and movies, not, yeah. or like YouTube content, like not, yeah. not so much in paintings anymore. Um, but that begs the question, like, what is anybody doing even making a painting Then I don't really know what's going on with it or what, or what, it, or what it's for, you know, if it's not going to be dense with like multiple vectors, cause it's not like most not... paintings are simply decorative anymore at best.
1: But I I kind of, like, appreciate that, and I kind of wonder, like, you know, like, in praise of dumb painting, you know? Well, is this coming off the heels
0: of, like, the Ed Ruscha thing we were talking yeah, about maybe. last time? Like, of, like making cheap jokes and just kind of letting it like Not lie. even
1: cheap jokes, but, like, you know, just, like, let it be. Like, you know, I'm anticipating, like, a kind of return to abstraction of just, like, just let it be. Like, just let experience be and if that if that's possible without it being a reified piece of shit like if that's possible and that's what painting does is just chase you know doing poppers chasing a, a cheap high like can we get higher than that maybe i don't know but,
0: uh, well i think we i think we could it's just a question it's just a question of effort and audience like i don't think I, on the Artistic side, like on the supply side, nor on the demand side, is there any real desire for paintings that require time and attention and a certain level of density? I mean, if you're if you're willing to just concede that and say that's not really a problem, we should just lean into the like um, candy sort of addictive angle of a cheap thrill. Well, not that no no no. That's that's what I'm saying. Like not avoiding a cheap thrill.
1: Avoiding a cheap thrill, but just kind of, like, going, like, well, like, you know, chasing something that is closer to, like, you know, going back to describing a feeling rather than describing, like, a narrative. You know, and whatever, however that.
0: Well, again, circling back to the last episode where we talked about this, remember the thing I, I relayed that David Sally said about, like, painting being in a documentary mode? Yeah. Um, that's not even necessarily about captu- capturing a narrative. It should be, but it's not doing that. Yeah. So I don't think the distinction is between um, narrative and feeling. I think that, you know, it's kind of a false dichotomy. I think those things are intertwined, and I don't think that a lot of contemporary artists, like, make a lot of effort to intertwine um, different idioms, in a way that might be attractive on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. I think people focus on one level at a time because they and their audience don't have the attention span to interweave things. Right. Well, yeah. And the the Fragonards were so interesting because he's so technically proficient and those paintings are so juicy on the level of just how they're made at the same time that they're so juicy on their literary level. I mean, The Lock is a their great narrative painting. level and their um, emotional level. And it's not that the emotion per se resonates with me. It's just that it gives me access to an emotion I can't really feel because I didn't exist in that time. Right. But if you're willing to do the work of piecing together that puzzle, you get some kind of, like, anti-temporal access
1: yeah, maybe.
0: that reaches really far back and feels kind of profound, even if the subject matter is not.
1: That's what, that's what I, I – thank you for that because I do think, that, like, I'm, what I'm asking – you know, reaching for is this kind of thing of like something outside of time. Yeah. Where it is, again, about describing feeling. And feeling doesn't have to be placed in time. Um, I don't think. Well,
0: I, I, I'm, making a, I'm making a slightly different point. Mm-hmm. Which is just that um, feeling is placed in time. So to reiterate, like the Fragonard feeling of love that's being conveyed in those paintings is on one hand about the propaganda of that time, right? That loves should go a certain way by certain courtship rituals that are now dated. Well
1: there's formality to it. And there's a like formality
0: that. to it, right? That formality still exists today, but in a completely different
1: right like environment
0: yeah. with a completely different set of factors. And then on the other hand is the actual uh, feeling of the artist, which is sort of implicit in the paintings, which is a very libidinous like sexual desire. That's that's embedded as a way of undermining the propaganda. WAP is butt right? ass pellet. And people do that now except in a more explicit way, like WAP. That's not yeah. undermining anything. It's just part of the, it's just part of the accepted story. Mm. Right? You don't have this interesting push and pull between what you're supposed to do and then what you can sneak in.
1: Well, the yeah. The, we're
0: in a very explicit we're, mode.
1: We're, yeah, we're not in a what's left unsaid mode. And my point yeah. is
0: not that that something exists outside of time. What's interesting about an experience of art from a long time ago is that it gives you a little sliver of a time that you could never feel any other way. Right. Because people in history were real people, yeah. it's easy to mythologize them, and it's easy to sort of oversimplify what it was like to be in like the Rococo court of Louis the Fourteenth,
1: right before a shit hit. We have hit history the pain, yeah.
0: book ideas of what that must have felt like, but right. at the same time, Fragonard was a real person with real emotion, and he delivered a sliver of that to me over a three hundred year span. He He
1: gay? What we know about him?
0: I don't remember what his biography is like. I, I want to say he was probably a bachelor the whole his whole life which might have meant gay i don't know
1: well he was french Uh, but you know but i
0: feel like you know i'm indulging in the myth a little bit but much like the weimar republic and much like now i feel like a lot of people were going both ways i I really do think that like sexual libertinism i mean the marquis the marquis de Sade was the same time so
1: we don't talk about him he was into some freaky shit
0: what Uh, you know what do you know but yeah, like, I, I would like the idea that you could make a piece of 21st century art that viewed from the 24th century wouldn't like make sense without a lot of attention paid to it, but would right. deliver you a sliver of, we lived in a time where everything was explicit, right. ostensibly, but people still had private feelings. How do you make a painting that says that? I don't think anybody's really tried to do that. I think a lot of people have made an effort to illustrate how explicit they are. I don't think right. a lot of people have made um made it a little more complicated and said this is the way I'm supposed to present, but this is how I actually feel. Because I think that condition is atemporal and universal.
1: I'm gonna do a painting where it's just hands like this, like looking like it's covering a dick but there's no dick. Just the oo. Well,
0: if it's covering it, how do you know what's
1: behind it? Yeah, well, that's the fun. Well, could be anything.
0: You know. You, there has to be some kind of hint, though. This starts Just some pubes. You know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so... What other... Uh, I saw Manet Degas, finally, too. Oh, you saw
1: Manet Degas?
0: We've been circling that drain of both of us seeing it for months, but... Well. Um.
1: Anyone, any old people farting fartin a train in front of you? Uh,
0: well, I mean, you know, setting aside the fact that it was, you know... We strategized it to go at the least busy time of day, which apparently we did. Mm. Um, and it was still hard to view yeah. things in there.
1: Is it not a fucking dumpster fire to try n- to see things in the way that it's set up? I I don't think I was wrong.
0: I didn't really have a problem with the way the exhibition was set up, but I feel like if they're going to do the time th- ticket thing, um, I understand oh, there's plenty up, yeah. of incentives aligned uh, against this, but they should even limit it more. They should just let fewer people in per hour is the bottom line. I mean, it's just so hard to see. it's so hard to track. And and a lot of people just, you know, old complaints. But a lot of people don't really know how to behave themselves. Like, the number of people that are just, like, talking to each other standing in front of a painting and not looking at it. Yeah. Or, like, just on their phone in front of a painting and not looking at it. It's tough to deal with that.
1: Do you find yourself more and more just cutting in front of people, like, trying to take a photo? I've always done that. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, And, you
0: know, know... What I did find this time was that it was very, very refreshing to leave that show and do a quick spin around the rest of the Met. Yeah, and be like, oh, it's a lot less busy just natively in these, and you get a little bit more. You see that thirty show? No, I didn't have. I didn't have a lot of time. We didn't get to the Met till like four, and then we had another place to be around like seven. Oh, so. Manet Degas took like about an hour just because it was such a slow flow, the sludge of olds going through there. And then, you know, the people I was with wanted to see um, modern and contemporary, which I could Why? Just because it's like different and more fun. We'd seen a lot of old paintings that day. I'm a little sympathetic to it. But what I opted to do, um, I didn't have time to see the 30 show, but I did want to run through the... Reinstalled thirteen hundred to eighteen hundred European. Oh, it's open now. Fuck. Because it's open, so they sat on a bench and I did as quick of a run through that as I could.
1: You can do that in about ten.
0: Um, Mm. that looked pretty good. Although the wall colors are really questionable. I don't know why they went so crazy with that.
1: They go a little because it looks good on Instagram. Duh. That's
0: why. Yeah. Um, and the way it was organized was okay. I would say that it starts off really strong, and you think, oh, this is great. They, uh, they've they arranged this more or less chronologically. They've given a lot of space to the right things. But then you start to enter rooms that are thematic. <sighs> and then they have contemporary art in them. No! And it's just sort of like, this is confusing. You're the Met. Yeah.
1: You're supposed to be our Louvre, right? Like, America's Louvre, because the National Gallery can fuck off. You know, like... No one's going to d c for art Right. Enough. like come on, do it know, the right way
0: i I've claimed in the past and i and I still tentatively think that that's not always a bad thing, but they overused it. I don't know. it just became kind of confusing.
1: The man is just worried about asses and seats anyway, i i I don't like that, um but anyway, back to manit and digas uh man i I liked you know I think who you, won you got in my
0: head a little bit. Uh, about the whole show cuz you didn't quite respond to it so positively. Nah. You didn't say it was bad. You were just like it's just kind of whatever. Yeah. Um I liked the concept of the show. I actually thought that as a whole um the concept of bouncing them off of each other by certain themes like worked pretty well overall as a gestalt to me. I didn't mind it. <laughs> um I of course Went in thinking I'd like Manet better at the end, and I came out liking Manet better at at the end. But um, I do have to say about Degas, seeing some of the works that we'd seen in Europe in a new context and then seeing other ones that I'd never seen, his paintings are bold and weird, but I don't... For me, they're not successful. So I really appreciated the effort that I saw and the diversity I saw in Degas' work, yeah, and just the way that like he assembles an image was really experimental in a way you don't think about when you just think about bathroom ballerinas, yeah. So yeah, I liked that, but I don't think he pulls it off. Whereas Manet, no. I just think is sort of r- like ruthlessly wild and attractive. There's like almost not a bad man. Well, Manet.
1: Manet's always kind of like pulling off bangers, and Degas is like, ooh, you got one. You got one off.
0: Um, well, my problem with Dagon, I thought a lot about this while I was doing the show because it kept happening, was to me he's um, ruthlessly academic yeah. and a glory hound. I think he had this mistaken idea that people won't take – well, maybe at the time it wasn't, mistaken, it wasn't mistaken. But he had this idea that if I don't show off my technical prowess at least once per painting – no one will take these seriously. So you get these, like, wild, interesting, experimental paintings, and then there's just, like, a photorealistic face in it. And you're like...
1: Just to tighten it up. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. There's
0: always a flashy moment of technical expertise in every single painting.
1: He's a he's a pick-me girl. And
0: if he would just lose it, yeah. he would have been... Completely maligned in his time, but he would have been 100 years ahead of his time. Instead, he firmly plants himself in his moment because he can't get the Academy off his mind. And fair enough. I I don't judge the guy for it, but I do think it makes the paintings less good.
1: How did Olympia look? I barely looked at Olympia. It
0: was like the starry night moment of the show where it was just so crowded with phones and people. I I took a quick glance at it and I was like, you know, um,
1: bad placement.
0: I saw it in its native habitat. I thought the placement and everything was, was fine. It was just hard to view, so I didn't give it a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really have a statement on Olympia. No. The right. The thing that I really liked was the drawings and prints, specifically Manet. Manet's drawings are great. Um, that show. The, the Christ painting that's always at the Met, flanked by the watercolor of it, oh, and yeah. then different print states, but, uh, and the copper plate and stuff was yeah. really amazing to see. Um, there was a room that was about like war that was mostly dominated by Manet. There were a few Degas in there that were mostly like lithographs he'd published in newspapers and like drawings and stuff that all kind of led up to the failed death of Maximilian painting at the end of the show, hmm. the cut up one that yeah. Degas saved. Yeah. Um. So there was there was. Lot, there was lots to chew on in there. I, I liked it. I liked the show. Huh. But it, it, it was a little unfortunate that... um. I don't know if this is unfortunate for a general audience, but it was a little unfortunate that I've seen all the Met paintings a million times, and we had just seen the Musée d'Orsay. So there was some stuff from other collections where I was like, oh, that's weird. This is interesting. But from, like, few and far between, between, it was character. mostly like I've seen all this before. Yeah. Um,
1: and in better habitats. I don't know. It it just is that that problem. No. no, It was okay. uh, Okay. Everyone's like, I don't know, like a lot of year-end things are like, that's a good show. I'm like, down no i thought it was a good show too i mean
0: i if i ever had the opportunity to go to the to, go to the to go to the match while it was great. closed or something i think you'd i think you'd have a really different experience with Fair, it i yeah. mean it was a very basic idea at the end of the day that these two guys had a friendship that wasn't that well documented except third hand so we're trying to like reassemble what the vibe between them might have been like um had we had more record of their actual relationship yeah which I think is an which it, it, again to this idea of like trying to take a slice of a moment that nobody has access to anymore right. and like transport it through time. I thought it did an okay enough job with that. I think that if you're not engaged in the themes of the rooms and kind of like reading the information in the show, you're probably missing a lot of a of lo- lot of that context, but that's what a show is after all, especially an art historical show. I think yeah. of curating in terms of Being an art historian and curating in terms of being, like, a dealer or, like, a, you know, a contemporary person is two pretty distinct things in this way. These people clearly did a lot of research. Yeah. And uh, I think they could have taken more risks. That's what I would say. I think they could have introduced um, perhaps, like, a third artist, just one painting or something, to give, like, a light on a theme and another direction that it was potentially going.
1: Well, That's these just two were ticking around over this. Yeah. Like, let's do that. Yeah.
0: A- and, you know, if there's not a lot of documented correspondence between them and you don't know the way that they felt a- a- about each other, like, maybe amplify the antagonism. It was, like, a little too friendly and complimentary the whole yeah. time. You know? I feel like... Absinthe drinker, absinthe drinker. Well, it's like, do all right.
1: You know that, like, room towards the end where it's, like, people at a cafe? Like, it's a bunch of cafe drinkers. Mm-hmm. I'm like... You that's just, what i'm talking about you just need to bring in the bar at the Foley berger just to like have the smackdown like throwdown of like nobody does it better that's that's because it it'll all that whole room hints at that idea of like uh, we're getting to that and i'm like well it's not here and i know it'll never leave where it is
0: yeah probably not
1: is it at the was it at the door thing where's it at
0: no, it's not. I forget where it's it is. Else. It's a much smaller museum. It's not as well known of a place.
1: Well, it's never gonna leave there, you know, because that's where and joy. Well, and not only
0: that, I mean to, to to give to give the curators like a little bit of little bit of rope. I, I think that you don't want to have one artist clearly outshine another. Like I think that this show slightly favored Manet in terms of bangers like that, um, and that's just an asses and seats thing. But I I don't think you... Degas didn't really work on history paintings, and Manet did. That's never really, like, mentioned in the show, but it's implicit in the show. I don't think Degas ever had, like, a sweeping historical uh, thumb in the eye of the Academy. He wasn't that type of guy.
1: Oh, it's at the Courtauld in the UK, of all places. Yeah, yeah. Well, no one's going there. It's in London. Well, shit. Um... Yeah, I don't, yeah, no one, that's the thing, no one could be the winner.
0: No, which is fine. And Degas yeah.
1: has to come out looking like, you know, a little bit of a savior trying to put the the one painting back together. Like, that's his saving grace for all of his schlock, you know.
0: Uh. Well, what he has to look like is the younger generation that's, like, trying a little harder and maybe not as accomplished, which is yeah. what he looks like, you know, so... Anyways, I we are we it's it. late at night what and we need it? to stop. Okay. Uh it's almost ten o'clock and okay. it's we're over an hour. Oh, so shit. let's okay. stop and Shut do another one.
1: Okay.